Welcome to the Revenue Accelerators Podcast, a show featuring B2B sales and business leaders. Hosted by Excelogy founder and 19-year sales veteran with leadership experience in strategic enterprise and telecom sales, Deep Trikonod. This show uncovers strategies and techniques business leaders have used to go from zero to one and beyond. If you enjoy this content, please subscribe, rate, and review the show to help us reach more people. Revenue Accelerators is brought to you by Excelogy. We help B2B sales leaders improve sales performance by leveraging our patent-pending data-driven sales coaching systems. Find us at www.excelogy.com. Enjoy today's episode. Hey, everybody. Thank you for attending another episode of Revenue Accelerators. My apologies in advance. My voice is a little bit sore. Um, I just came back from... uh, uh, Mobile World Congress in Las Vegas, and apparently all you do there is talk. Um, but today I'm actually with Elitza Zaimova from Preply. Elitza, welcome. Thank you very much, Steve. Very Eli- glad to be here. Uh, Elitza, can you tell us, like, who is Elitza? What do you do? What do you do for Preply? Absolutely. Um, my name is Elitza. I'm the sales director at Preply Business. And I've uh, uh, been growing the Preply business, um, part of Preply, for about three years already. That's that's awesome. And how how long have you been part of Preply? I've been part of Preply for six years, so quite a long time. Given that it's a startup, high growth startup, we joined six years ago, and we were very very small. And uh, it's been such an exciting journey to be part of the Preply growth. That's that's awesome. So when you say very small, can you describe like like when you started, can you like what employee number were you versus where you are now? Like how big the company is? Absolutely. I joined six years ago. We were about 50 employees. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's when we um, fundraised our first serious kind of, um, of, of fundraising, five million dollars. Um, and I have a funny story. Preply uh, is a Ukrainian company. So we started in Ukraine. I was actually uh, in Ukraine at that time, moved to Ukraine from Washington, D.C., and I saw in the news that Preply fundraised. I used Preply for, Preply is a one-to-one language platform, so I used Mm -hmm. Preply to learn Ukrainian um, and Russian. When I moved to Ukraine, I was super excited, and I said, I have to call this company. They need me. Uh, I need (laughs) to help them out with their growth. Maybe we can start a B2B division there. Let's see what we can do. So that's actually how my Preply journey started. Oh, that's awesome. And how, how big is Preply now? We have about 600 employees oh, that's uh, across awesome. different continents. We are right now, we have four locations, Kiev, Ukraine, Berlin, Germany, Barcelona, Spain, and just opened our office in New York. Wow. That's, that's huge. That's amazing. Well, congratulations being part of that Thank journey. You. Um, and what is your role with Preply? What do you do? Sure. At the moment, as I mentioned, I'm a sales director at Preply. Um, I manage right now uh, the Canadian market. Uh, moved from EMEA. I used to manage the EMEA team. Um, we had about 40 plus uh, team members uh, in EMEA. And right now I'm building a very prospective market, uh, which is uh, in Canada. And you mentioned earlier that it wasn't you, you built the B2B team or you started with that. So what, so it was B2C? Prior to that, just purely focused on B2C? Correct. When I joined six years ago, Preply was marketplace for language uh, for language learning. So what we did uh, is we connected 
amazing tutors from all around the world to teach languages with um, learning enthusiasts that want to learn uh, a language, whether that's um, German, um, Japanese, English, French. Um, however, I saw a huge potential in actually organizing programs, language learning programs for organizations, for global organizations around the world, um, and, and actually training their teams. And, and that's that's how we started Preply, Preply Business about three years ago. Okay, that's awesome. So, so what, who are your customers? Who do you target for on the business side? So we target global organizations. So think about deep, any organization that has multicultural teams, teams around okay. the world, um, software organizations, IT companies, hiring engineers, let's say in Eastern Europe, uh, or organizations based in the U.S. that have global customers that their employees need to speak the language of their customers to be able to connect, to be able to understand the culture behind um, the language by, behind their customers. These are Absolutely. our prime customers. Do you, do you use um, what you've learned from Preply yourself? Like, do you actually personally reach out to um, other language-speaking organizations around the world? Absolutely. Do you have a team that does that as well? Like, where, where, what, if you can kind of describe what's your region? Are you global or are you? Absolutely. Your role. So we are a global organization. Uh, we have a global team. Uh, we have a team uh, based in EMEA. That's actually where the majority of our clients come from. At the moment, we have about 500 to 600 clients. Um, the majority of them come from EMEA region. Um, we also, um, a couple, about a year ago, started um, uh, af uh, going after North America. That's both Canada and U.S. And we also have a very uh, good presence in uh, LATAM. Um, and, and, and your role, are you kind of in charge of all of that or are, are you focused on North America? Uh, right now, mostly North America uh, and predominantly Canada. But three years ago, um, I was um, working in um, customer success um, and saw the opportunity of actually building the B2B division of Preply. So I was the one who started um, the, the B2B notion. I was the one who started, you know, building the pitch, building the sales team, uh, building the customer base. Uh, it was a lot of fun and a lot of hard work. And deep, uh, as I mentioned to you before, a lot of lessons uh, learned along the way. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. So I'd like to get into that, actually. So can you can you kind of go through, you know, uh, top of mind or if you, you know, as, as part of the prep for this conversation, what what kind of school of hard knocks, you know, hard lesson that you learn in sales that they don't teach you? That's not in a book. That's not in a I mean, sure, companies offer sales training and they talk through lots of things like that. But um, what are some of the things that you weren't prepared for? That maybe at the time must have been kind of a, a hard, a hard thing to absorb, a hard thing to deal with. Looking back, and and you, you've taken it to heart, and you now use it every day, and you teach you, you teach your team. What are what are some of the, if you can kind of talk through one of those one of those hard lessons in the background? Absolutely, behind. absolutely. There are quite a few along the way, but I'm going to share with you two um, that I think are quite important, and maybe a lot of a lot of listeners. Uh, can resonate as well. Um, so the first one is actually building a very specific ICP. In the beginning, when we started Preply Business, um, we actually started as an outbound organization. Uh, 
Outbound is where the fun is at, I always say. Uh, you can actually get to pick your own customers. Um, you get to go after them. You get to do the research. You get to talk to them in a sort of an unfiltered way. So we started as an outbound organization, hired first two AEs who are doing prospecting. I always say hire two at the same time because when you're brand new, when you start something new, that's the first lesson you learn. Is when you start a new, uh, a new um, kind of division, um, if you hire one salesperson, you're testing two things. You're testing your product and you're testing the AE, right? So we, we, we I hired two, two account executives. Um, luckily, both of them worked out really well. They were kind of competing <laughs> with each other, which was fantastic, pushing each other. Uh, so that worked really well, right? Uh, hiring two kind of hungry, super excited AEs, competitive. Uh, so when one closes a deal, another one is like, I can I've- do this. Go full force. I love it. I mean, you raise something. It's interesting Um, in marketing, right? They use something called A-B testing. I don't know if you've heard of that phrase, right? We we do a lot of that. So you've done that with sales reps. Exactly. At least that was the intent, right? And you learn in product management that you never test two things at the same time. Right. Yeah, yeah. So if, if you were, if, if you just get started and you're like, let me hire my first rep, right? Imagine if that person you know, how would you know if you have a product market fit, if you're testing both A, the product market fit and B, the rep itself, yep, right? Yep. So it's it's very difficult. So I said, you know what, I'm going to hire two. And worst case scenario, one can be really mm-hmm. good. Um, and, 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 you know, I can get to understand, is it the rep that is not working? Is it the market that is not working? Um, uh, luckily, it worked really well for us because both of them were very competitive and actually it worked really well because they were kind of competing against each other uh, and pushing against each other. Um, so it. we, uh, it, it worked really well. So that's kind of the, fir- the first lesson learned. Very cool. If you, if you don't mind me asking, like you came up with that approach for the two sales reps or is that kind of by design in a, in a, in a preply playbook somewhere? Um, uh, I think it's a mix a of... It, it's a good question. It's a mix of both. Why so? It's a bit of a preppy culture. We do lots of A-B testing. We're big believers of A-B testing. And the mm-hmm. one thing, again, I joined a preppy when we're really, really small. So I kind of did a bit of everything, product management, right? Uh, yeah, uh, sure. Supply operations. So you actually learn a lot of really interesting things. And Absolutely. one of them is you should never, ever test two things at the same time. You cannot have two variables, right? Um and so that's kind of got, that stuck with me, and and I kind of implemented that in sales. I said, well, now I'm testing two things. I can't do that because if I go to the CEO and he says, well, why doesn't, why is it that it didn't work? I can't tell him why, right? Like, so that's that's the first thing, and I, I think it was a it worked well, well well for us. I love it. Sorry, sorry, and I apologize for interrupting your story on that. No, I just, go I ahead. That, I find that fascinating that 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 was it was it was done with intent. To hire the two to the two AEs, not because you had, I'm sure you had a demand for it, but there was an there was a deliberate reason for having two at the same time, um, and effectively A/B test your 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 hires, your recruits. So that's yeah, very yeah, very absolutely. good. Absolutely. Uh, and to continue on that, I did the same with the SDRs because once the, the AEs, you know, first AEs were both prospecting mm-hmm. and obviously closing business, but once we you know, got. Uh, demand we kind of see so a bit of patterns and that's kind of one of the the things that i also learned is you have to start seeing patterns i see a lot of startups when they start write a new product um it's a very chaotic 
you know, they're trying to do a lot of different things without a uh, having a process in place from day one. I think that's extremely important, right? And B is really taking a step back and saying every week, what has worked? What has not worked? What can we improve on? Uh, step by step, right? Let's, let's make big changes. Let's make sure small steps, right? Small tweaks that over time will be, will be, uh, uh, you know, kind of build the big, the bigger picture. So those are kind of, right? The, the, the things that, that really, really helped us is, um, mm-hmm. uh, really like making s- small steps, small, uh, tweaks along the way. Um, so we had also, uh, two, two SDRs after we saw that there was a huge demand. Uh, again, I, I go by pairs. As you see here, there's a pattern, right? <laughs> two A's, two SDRs. Uh, hard to SDRs, um, uh, and started then, then that's when we, uh, said we need to build our ICP. Right now we're everybody for everything. Let's build a bit of a process to understand how many, right, accounts do I need to put in my cadence to be able to produce X number of demos. So you have to like kind of start seeing patterns to, you know, sure. to be able to scale. And, and so just to confirm we're on the same page and anybody listening, if they haven't, hadn't, by chance heard the term ICP, we're talking about ideal customer profile. Yes. Correct. Okay. Correct. Ideal customer profile. Um, and again, like we played for a couple of months. Okay. Then we started seeing patterns. Hey, who are our current clients? Who has signed, you know, deals with us? Who has trusted us? Do we see mm-hmm. any patterns? Secondly, who are the people that can kind of respond more in our cadences? Like, do we see any patterns there? And then based on that, we started further redefining our ICP um, uh, to be able to, uh, you know, to be a bit more tailored and specific. And in the beginning, is, we were. Is, hmm? is there an interest? So, so on this ICP, this focus, is that because something went awry previously? Like you didn't have an ICP? And like when you don't have an ICP, what happens? You serve everybody and you're everything for everybody, right? Which you never want to be. Um, and, 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 and secondly, you can never be successful, right? Like just think about it. You don't, you don't know who you're selling to. You don't know what their pain is. Yeah. Uh, you don't have a process in place. In the beginning, it's, it's kind of, you have certain assumptions. So you, which are broad, you go and test them, but then you have to really take a step back. You have to look at the data. Who are the customers that are trusting us? What do they have in common, right? Who should I go and n- further narrow, start narrowing your your search, your ICP? Um, and that's kind of like one of the things that we, that, that we did um, uh, uh, that really helped us scale is really take a step back and thinking, okay, our initial hypothesis were that any global company <laughs> that has international presence can be our client. Well, yes. that is very hard to scale. Like we got to find something, right? Like that, that is a bit more specific than that. Um, and so how long, how long did it take? How long in the, in, you know, you said three years ago, you guys started business, the business division. Um, how long did it take you guys to figure out what your ICP was for, for the business buyer, for the business customer? Deep, that's a great question. And I think that that's a process that is still ongoing, right? Okay. I don't think that. That, uh, at least at Preply, and I've spoken with some other companies, I think redefining your ICP is a outgoing process, right? Yes. You start with a help with hypothesis, then you further kind of make your hypothesis a bit better and a bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, about a year ago, we actually had a very detailed session with um, our marketing team, with our SDRs about the very first more kind of, um, uh, you know, 
well done, um, tailored uh, ICP, that process is still ongoing. We learn more. The more clients you add, the more data you have, the more you understand about your ICP. So uh, one thing that I've learned is don't stop further defining your ICP. Don't stop further understanding your your your, your clients and, and identifying who do I really serve, who do I really, um, uh, who can I really help um, with my product. Absolutely. So you're, you're absolutely right. Yeah, it should be. It sh- everything should be a work in progress. We should be a student of sales in the organization. Should, you know, you're a perpetual student and constantly learning. I'm a hundred percent believer in, in never like, so there's a, and I'm digressing a little bit, but there's, two, there's two kind of approaches in that, in that ability to either continuously progress and, and learn and feed, feed your knowledge or you're kind of done and there's that growth mindset versus um, fixed mindset. And the fixed is like, you have to achieve it and then you're done and there's nothing left to achieve after that. And I'm not a believer in the fixed mindset. Most people don't necessarily know that they are or not, but um, very much I'm a, my personally, I, I believe in that as well. So what you described is a phenomenal answer to the question, which is it's there. It's, it's not like we're done. We have, it's a snapshot in time, right? Where you have an ICP today, but it may not be the ICP you have tomorrow or the week Absolutely. after. Or, Absolutely. So. And you just think about it. Technology changes every day. The way people buy changes every day. The way people work changes every day. The way we support our then yeah. clients, we work with our clients, changes. And if we cannot keep up with the way our clients are thinking about their problems, the way they are you know, maybe not even seeing their product, the, the way they think, the way they act, the way they buy, then we'll never be successful, right? And I think that's the most important part when we talk about hiring salespeople, right? Is their ability to change and adjust based on our clients' needs, our prospect needs. And I think that's a very important part when we think about how do you build sales organization? How do I hire the right team? I think that is a very important part of, of, of kind of creating that sales culture of always learning, uh, always learning to be able to be there for your client, to be there for your customer. So given what we talked about, was there, like, how did you learn these lessons? Was there ever, was there an event in time or was it kind of just kind of ingrained in you and kind of the school of hard knocks over time, little, little, little mistakes, maybe little losses here and there that kind of um, shaped your thinking or was it, was there any one event that you can remember that was like, oh man, this was really bad. Yeah, oh, I, I would say it was a lot of small mistakes along the way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and curiosity, right? Like w- when you build a business, we, I was super passionate about what we do. Uh, and you know, you 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 try different things. You see that there, you know, something is working, something is not working, um, and you learn along the way. And secondly, I you know read, I, I try to read as much as as, as I can. Um, you know, when you're building a new process, you're always trying to see, well, what's out there? Let me mm-hmm. see what people have done, what they've, you know, learned, what they've done. So, so I start with that. And then you, you kind of see, okay, well, this is not really working so much for Preply. Um, and, you know, a, a good example is when, you know, um, one thing that I learned the hard way is I never hire a, a, a rep by their resume. Um, mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is, you know, when you start building a business, um, 
you, you know, you start like hiring for us, we actually scaled quite fast. We saw that there was a huge demand for what we were doing. So we need to hire sometimes 20 A's and keep in mind, I was the one at that moment running both account management, SDRs, A's. Wow. Um, we need to hire sometimes 40 people a quarter, right? And you're like, well, I got to go fast. <sighs> and I think that's the biggest mistake I learned. Wow. You're like, what can happen? You know, like if I hire the wrong person, you know, I can always, you know, yeah. Like, Let's let's test. And I think that was the wrong mindset. I think that is the one lesson if I have to do this over again. Be specific with who you hire right at the beginning, especially when you see a product market fit and you try to grow as quickly as possible. Uh, you're like, I don't have time. Like, I'm just going to ask these questions. This person seems like, a, wow, they worked at Salesforce. They answer all the questions kind of right. But you have this gut feeling um, that you, you, you're like, oh, I don't know. There's something about them that is not, you know, it's not clicking. I hired him anyways. And I think that's when, um, that's kind of, I made a lot of mistakes and, uh, and deep. This is where I kind of create, I created this, I call it the vicious triangle. And mm-hmm. that's like, if you, you know, if you have a person, if you have a rep, you have to think about three things. A personality, B experience and C trust. Right. And I think they're kind of interconnected, but am I talking to a person that I can off the bat trust? Am I talking to a person who has the perfect experience? Am I talking to a person who fits the preppy personality and culture? And if one of those three is not present, uh, most likely you should not hire this person. Dude, now, that was a school of hard knocks, it sounds like, um, in terms of hiring the wrong person and, oh, and yeah. having to deal with that. Big, big <laughs> did, did you have a mentor as you know in your sales kind of growth, your professional sales career? Did you have a mentor? Did you did you kind of look out for a mentor? Were you fortunate to have one? Like, how did that? How does absolutely, that work? Absolutely, absolutely. And I, I think that you make a great point here. Having a mentor is so important. Uh, uh, luckily, uh, Preppy actually uh, also believes in, in in mentorship. We're right, like we sell language tutors, so mentorship mm-hmm. tutoring is very important to us. So I was provided in the in the early days a mentor to help me build the process, hire the team. And that was so invaluable just to have somebody to run your ideas by somebody who's been through this path, maybe not exact the same, but somebody who, right, like ask you the right question. So that maybe you have not thought about. So having a mentor was detrimental for me personally. That is awesome. Uh, Lita, unfortunately, we're out of time. I, I actually have a ton more questions, but um, I'll have to save that probably for, for another time to have you on. Um, is there anything that you'd like to share with everyone listening um, before we close? Uh, no, I would just say sales is so much fun. It can be. It's, it, it's, it, I, it can I be. Agree. It, it can end be difficult. It can yeah. be fun. End exactly. of quarter can end be a little quarter. challenging. <laughs> it can be challenging, but it's all about how you look at it, right? Like you can always look at it. Oh, this sucks. I'm not nowhere near my quarter versus saying, you know what? It's been about a hard quarter. Let me try to see what what can I learn, right, from this quarter. Don't forget, like we have hundreds of quarters ahead of us, right? Let's learn. Let's learn from what happened. That's always what I tell my team. Sales is hard, but you can make it fun. It depends on your mindset, right? Looking back, miss quarter. It's all right. Learn from it and let's go full force next one, right? Let's not make the same mistakes and we can have plenty of amazing quarters ahead of us. Absolutely. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for, for, for being a guest on Revenue Accelerators and everyone listening. Um, we'll see you on the other side. Thanks again, Lisa. Thank you so much, Chip. Be sure to check us out at www.excelogy.com. 